Welcome to Query, where we provide simple answers to complex tech questions. My name is Serenity Caldwell, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Stephen Hackett. Hi, Stephen. Hey, we're back. We're back. We have survived iPhone and Apple Watch launch day, and uh, now we're surviving macOS High Sierra launch day. How's it feel? Yeah, High Sierra's out. Uh, I have spent all summer with High Sierra, so I I run the iOS betas, but I'm I'm definitely a Mac person more than anything else. So I had, I mean, I have a 27 inch iMac. That's my production machine. It's what I'm talking to you on right now. I don't touch betas on this computer, but my laptop is basically basically after WBC and after we're done doing live shows, if it explodes, it's not the end of the world. So it's been running High Sierra all summer. You, your, your laptop is like, I volunteer as tribute. Yeah, it's exactly. Yeah, it, it goes into the ring with other laptops and one comes out successful. <laughs> and so it has been running High Sierra all summer. Uh, so I've been working on a review. I published my review today, which is always a really nice feeling. Uh, although we're not really talking about it today in detail, but I'll put a link in that in the show notes so people want to check it out. Um, so yeah, high, you know, new OS days are always fun. And this time of year, you know, we got iOS last week and then and watch OS and watch then new OS. phones and new yeah. watches and now Mac OS and another new iPhone here in about a month. Just a busy, busy time for those of us uh, doing this stuff for a living. And I, I have no reason to complain because you're running around making videos and writing articles and I, I had like one thing. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, you know, it's kind of fun to wear four watches simultaneously, uh, but uh, also you have the interfere of like, I can't go out in public because I look ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, some people are going to ask. There's, there's yeah. going to be some, some stairs. You walk into a Starbucks, you have four Apple watches, you split your coffee across four Apple Pay you know, I think you'll be I think you'll be set. I think you're all good to go. Yeah, you know, it just doesn't cost that much when each tap is only what, one dollar and fifty cents. Yeah. It's great. I think that's how I think that's how money works, actually. Yeah. I think, I think we solved that. Uh done. <laughs> so, so we do have some questions this week. We take questions on the show from listeners on Twitter. Uh, lots of good stuff this week. And kind of following in the thread of a couple of nerdy episodes. We talked about iMessage security. Now we're talking about uh media codecs because that's where that's where we media are. Media codex. Yeah. Well, you know there there's not usually a lot of news in the media codec world, but <laughs> <That's true. laughs> uh, but Apple Apple decided to change that. They're like, "Table flip. Let's talk media codex. Let's talk new image filters. You guys want to hear about this stuff, right?" And we're like, "Uh uh yeah. sure." <laughs> sure. That's what we're going to do. Bastian asks, "What's the deal with HEVC?" So Ooh. HEVC is a new video format that Apple is using in iOS 11 and High Sierra and kind of a bunch of apps and stuff that glue the two together. You may see it also written out as H.265. QuickTime has been using its predecessor, H.264, for year, I mean years and years. Uh, so this is the, the updated version, and it's an open format like H.264 was. So Apple's not the only company doing stuff in this space. Um, and so H.265 is going to kind of filter out across a bunch of different things. Like H.264 is everywhere. Like my Sony camera, it can record in a bunch of formats. One of the formats is H.264. So I think we're going to see this see this spread because it is an open format, which I think is really cool. The really cool thing I think about HEVC is that unlike H.264, it was really designed with 4K and HDR in mind, which uh, in H.264 are gigantic media files. 
If you've ever tried to shoot 4K video on older iPhones, like your iPhone 7, um, and you shoot like five minutes and then you're like, why did five gigabytes of space just disappear? That's uh, that's a little unnerving. Uh, so HEVC kind of tackled that compression problem right from the start, and they've almost they've almost cut compression size in half. Mm-hmm. So instead of, say, a 5 gigabyte file, you're instead looking at more like a 1 or 2.5 gigabyte file, which is pretty fantastic. Um they can be up to, I think, 40% smaller uh, using than using H.264. Um, and it, it basically results in what you're shooting right now at 1080p is going to take about the same size as shooting 4K in HEVC or H.265, whichever you want to call it. HEVEC. I don't even know if there's a way to make that acronym sound good, so I'm just going to skip it. Yeah, Apple uh. just uses... Uh, so Apple just uses the letters H E V C for Heef, yeah. H E I F. They they pronounce it Heef, but this is just yeah, H E V C. H two sixty five way more branding friendly. This is true. Um, two hundred and sixty five days a year of compression, Stephen. Um, yeah. Uh, the the other thing to note about <laughs> the other thing to note about H E V C is that um, certain, especially on the iPhone 8 and the upcoming iPhone 10, they have these new 4K and slow-mo video formats. They've got 4K 60, um, so 4K at 60 frames a second, or um, 240 frames a second when you're shooting 1080p, which is super ultra buttery slow-mo. I've done a couple of shots in that already, and it's gorgeous. Uh, But you have to be swapped over to HEVC encoding to use that, because the files are literally so big that Apple's like, no, we're not going to write these to your iPhone unless you're using HEVC. It's just it's just a terrible idea. Um, And if you're confused about how to do that, we have a link to that in the show notes Um, or we will. We will have a link. We have a link to it in the already written show notes before we've even done the done the show, Stephen. And then, yeah, the the last thing to note about HEVC in that arena is that 4K streaming is a lot better because, again, if the compression is better, they figure out how to stream better. Um, which means that 4K movies are going to stream to things like the Apple TV uh, 4K much more easily. Yeah, this was the, the streaming was always the thing that came up when we talked about 4K. Hey, 4K is going to be here. 4K is going to be here. And now it's here and it's hand in hand with this new codec. So if you're talking about like a terabyte worth of data cap on something like Comcast here in the United States, if you're streaming a bunch of 4K content, you're just going to blow right through that. But this like you said, makes the files, you know, roughly the same size as a 1080 stream would have been, you know, give or take. It really makes that feasible uh, in a way that, that just wasn't possible without this technology. So the, the 4K content coming to the Apple TV and this coming to High Sierra and iOS 11, like it's all it's all tied together. Um, most Macs from late 2015 forward will support hardware acceleration for the new codec. So, you know, the most recent couple of uh, 5K iMacs, 4K iMacs, MacBook Pros, that sort of thing. Older Macs may struggle to play H.265 video under some circumstances. Um, I know my wife has an original MacBook, like the little 12-inch notebook, and it, it, it's, it's a little chuggy in places, um, but it's it's mostly okay. On the iOS 11 side... Any iOS 11 cable iOS can play these files, um, but older phones in the 7 will continue to capture using the old format. And like you said, some of the new formats, that that 240 frames per second at 1080 is only in HEVC. So Apple's kind of making decisions for us on on what devices can do what. Um, 
And you, you may be listening to this thinking that there's compatibility issues all over the place, right? What if I shoot something in HEVC and I send it to somebody whose device can't do anything with that and it requires H.264? Uh, iOS 11 and macOS will convert files on the fly. So if you go to share something, it will basically re-export as H.264 if compatibility can't be guaranteed by the receiver. So you shouldn't be in a situation where you try to open a file on, on, a, on a machine or on a device that, that it just can't. Um, but e- even if you do, like I said, like I think any high Sierra Mac can play these. Like the, 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 the compatibility, compatibility is pretty good. Uh, and really what this means, what I'm excited about is shooting in 4K video editing in Final Cut Pro, all of that stuff should be much smoother because anyone who's done 4K video now in Final Cut or oh. iMovie, you know, it, I mean, I've got, I mean, this iMac was very expensive. It's got 32 gigs of RAM. It's got the big video card in it. And when I edit my YouTube videos in 4K, I edit on optimized media. So I'm basically editing in 1080 and then exporting in 4K because the 4K just slows this machine down so much. So I'm really excited to see what this is going to be like from a production workflow perspective because these files are going to be much more manageable. Yeah, uh, as somebody who was just doing that without uh, High Sierra support, so I was filming all of our Apple Watch review on the iPhone 8 Plus and then auto-converting on the fly by airdropping the files to my Mac and then editing those 4K H.264 files on my MacBook Pro, which is nowhere near as powerful as Steven's iMac. Uh, yeah, that was that was a fun seven hours, Stephen, of, uh, of <laughs> oh, dropped <no>. frames. <laughs> so uh, yeah, it, I mean, it ended up okay. I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty happy with how the video came. But that said, I'm going to be really looking forward to the idea of of working in 4K and not feeling like I'm working on a 2009 era iMac. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty. I think it's going to be really great. If you want to ask questions of us, you can do so on Twitter. Just use the hashtag #AskQuery. And we'll see it. We take questions on all sorts of topics. As we have proven the last couple of weeks, we're not afraid to get nerdy with this stuff. So uh, fire away at us uh, with your best questions. Yeah. And don't be afraid to ask non-Apple questions, too. We love our Apple questions, but we're also happy to answer anything on all kinds of tech. Eric asks if we could break down iOS 11 features by device. Eric, I think like a lot of us, says that he sort of plays the IT manager for friends and family. We've all been there. Um, and it can be hard to keep up with, you know, what feature works on what device. And, uh, I know you spend a lot of time sort of in this world. So (laughs) how's it look? Oh man. Well, um, well, it'd be really nice to have like a big giant chart that says like this works on this and this works on this. I think, uh, I think the chart might take up the entire wall, (laughs) which is a little bit challenging. Uh, so I think what might be the best way to do it is just break down kind of the things that work on iPhone versus the things that work on iPad, and then talk a little bit about what the, you know, various subcategories are there in terms of like certain iPads can run certain other things. And that's a little bit different. Uh, So um, yeah, why don't we just go through uh, iOS 11 and chat kind of like bit by bit, like the big main features, what works with what. Um, So I'm just going to start us off with one that I've seen bounced around a lot in the last weekend because apparently no one knew it existed which is that i I think everybody's pretty comfortable with the idea that the ipad and the ipad pro got new multi-touch and multitasking features with ios 11 
Um, and it one of those features, of course, was drag and drop, where you could drag, you know, um, certain things from one app to another app. Uh, that does not work on the iPhone uh, for obvious reasons. The iPhone doesn't have split screen or slide over the way that the iPad does. But one of the other sides of drag and drop is that you can drag multiple applications around and move them from home screen to home screen. And that's something that you can do in the iPhone. You just tap and hold on a single app icon to get it into edit mode. And then you use multiple fingers. So I use a secondary finger to tap subsequent icons and be like, this one I want to move and this one I want to move and this one I want to move and this one I want to move. And then you can use that secondary uh, finger to swipe between app screens. So you don't even have to like pull your app collection all the way to one side of the screen and then do the like, wait two seconds for to go to the next home screen, wait two seconds to go to the next home screen. No, just swipe, swipe around. Uh, so that's, uh, that's something really cool that I, I don't think a lot of people know about. Um, you can drag and drop multiple apps in iPhone, but of course you can do it on iPad and any iPad that supports iOS 11 gets drag and drop, uh, which, and I'll just go through the entire iPad list here for iOS 11. It's both generations of the 12.9 inch iPad Pro, the 10.5 inch iPad Pro, the 9.7 inch iPad Pro, iPad Air 2, iPad Air, uh, the fifth generation iPad and iPads mini two through four or two through five, excuse me. No, two through four. Two through four and iPads <laughs> mini two through four because the iPad mini has not been updated to the fifth generation. No, poor iPad mini. Poor He's iPad just hanging mini. out down there. No one really cares about him. I sad. know. It's sad. And all those, yeah, all those iPads have different uh, variations on what they can and cannot do for multitasking and split screen. And for those, I have made a chart in this gigantic article called Multitasking and Split View, Everything You Need to Know About iOS 11, uh, which you can find in the show notes and on iMore. So what else, uh, what else is the iPad kind of getting that's iPad only, Stephen? So the, the dock is iPad only. I mean, the iPhone has the dock, but all the stuff the dock can do. So you swipe up and you can enter multitasking and, and sort of that whole paradigm is iPad only. Like you said, the phone doesn't really have split screen multitasking. Some Android phones do. In fact, a lot of Android phones do now, but Apple has not enabled that on the iPhone. And so that, that whole world, and when you swipe up from the dock and, and enter all that goodie, like all those goodies, that's all iPad only. Yeah, and I guess it's worth noting that like the iPhone 10 is going to have somewhat of that because you will be able to swipe up from the bottom and enter multitasking mode or what Apple's now calling the new app switcher. Uh, but you don't get the the expanded dock with that. It's literally just the card-based view that you get in the normal multitasking screen by double-pressing the home button. So iPhone users are still kind of limited on that front uh, and still only four apps in the dock, which is kind of lame. Um, mm -hmm. so speaking of the app switcher, that is another thing that's iPad only, as I said, the iPhone still has its card based view. Um, the app switcher on iPad, uh, when you swipe up from the bottom with four fingers or you swipe up, um, with the dock and then swipe up again to get to the app switcher or whether you double press the home button, whatever your flavor of getting into the app switcher is, um, it now looks like a bunch of little tiny windows that can be scrolled through horizontally. And it's, I think two windows, um, two, two windows vertically and then four horizontally on a single screen. Um, so you can swipe between them. 
those little windows uh, also can contain instances that you've put into split view. So if you have like Safari and Tweetbot in split view, and then you go to the app switcher, Safari and Tweetbot will then live as a split view instance, as opposed to like their own separate applications. Um, it's basically a modern, um, a slightly modernized version of the original multitasking switcher for iPad. Um, and of course, it moves Control Center into the app switcher if you're on the iPad. So it's right. The Control Center is on the right of all of this stuff, uh, which is which is crazy. It, it provides more of like a grand central. You know, I think about the old the old spaces workflow on on Mac OS and you have kind of like everything, everything at your disposal, including dashboard, oh, RIP dashboard. It's still there in High Sierra, just turned off by default <laughs> for some reason. I wonder why. <laughs> so you mentioned Control Center. That's on every device. Like you said, the iPad gets it sort of tucked into the new app switcher iPhone gets it from the bottom of the screen and on the iPhone 10, you'll swipe down from the top right, sort of that top right ear to get to control center. So it's slightly different places everywhere, but it's, it's present on all iOS 11 devices and they all have that new customization in iOS 11. So you can kind of add and remove things from control center uh, to a degree. So if you don't want flashlight, but you really want notes, you can swap them out or you can add, to, like I guess have them all turned on because it's all useful to me. <laughs> so my, my control center is full of stuff and it's, uh, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. And fun fact about control center, you can organize it by just dragging when you're in edit mode, dragging those things up and down in the list from the settings app. Uh, a lot of, I, I was talking to a few people and they're like, how do I move the flashlight app up? or down, or I want to rearrange. I'm like, that's, that's how it's really unintuitive, but, uh, but it works. Yeah, it is. Uh, so the last thing that's like really, really big iPad, uh, and we kind of hinted at it is the multitasking features, including slide over and split view. I, so iOS nine had the initial original version of slide over and split view. Um, and that is drastically changed, uh, with iOS 11, where everything is a little bit more functional, but depending on RAM limitations for your device, uh, that's going to change how many slide over and split view things that you can have. On the high end, you've got the iPad Pro 10.5 and the second generation 12.9-inch uh, iPad Pro uh, that have all of the RAM, and thus they can have uh, two split two windows in split view and a slide-over window and the dock up there, and everything is, you know, uh, everything is interactable, basically. You could drag something from a split view tab into slide-over or from slide-over into split view, and that all works. Um, the next kind of drop-down you get uh, you only have, you know, you can have the two split view windows and you can have slide over, but slide over is the only thing in focus. Uh, so you can't, you know, interact with all three at once. Um, then you drop down to apps that only, or, uh, devices that only allow slide over. Um, and then you drop down to, to devices that just can't handle multitasking. But I'm pretty sure, uh, starting with the iPad mini two, uh, you can have a one slide over window, but you can't really do much beyond that. And again, all right. of uh, the chart for that is in the show notes. Uh, a big feature of iOS 11 that I really like is do not disturb while driving. So your phone sort of works out if you are driving in a car or not and will put itself in do not disturb mode. You can exit out of it, but you have to tell your phone you're not driving, which is a little moment to decide if you're going to lie to your phone or not. <laughs> that is only on the iPhone. It's not on the iPad. And what's what's nice about it, there in settings, there are a couple different options. So you can kind of let it work itself out on its own, but you may get false positives. So it may trigger when you're the passenger 
in a car. Or for me, I had it triggered when I was riding my bike. I got to my destination and my phone was in do not disturb because it thought I was driving. So there is a setting where you can say only enter this mode when you're connected to my car stereo and it won't work for everybody, right? I have a Bluetooth headset in my car. It's a pretty new car. And so that really works well for me. But if you don't have Bluetooth or your car isn't supported by that, um, you know, you maybe just have to tell it if you're the passenger or not, but it is iPhone only. It is not on the iPad. That seems kind of weird to me, honestly, uh, because I know quite a few people who use their iPad as a secondary navigation device. Um, and I would feel like Apple could come up with a way to, you know, in- encourage that while still uh, keeping them from, you know, crashing and burning. Uh, but, you know, maybe they're just trying to push people towards CarPlay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I guess that's fine if your car has CarPlay. Like, I don't know if that's a strong enough thing to be like, hey, next time. Go buy a car with the fancy. My Model 3 is not going to have CarPlay, Stephen. I don't know what I'm going to do. Probably everything that I've continued doing because none of my cars have had CarPlay. Speaking of features that are only iPad, forget the iPhone, anything to do with the pencil. So instant notes and uh, pencil-based markups, so tapping on things. The iPhone does get markup, um, but in terms of anything that uses the Apple Pencil, no. The only device that supports that are the iPad Pros. So, yeah, no, no real surprise. Yeah, no, there. no pencil support, even on the iPhone 10. Uh, I, I got I sometimes wonder if that's going to come at some point. But this year, the answer is no. Baby pencil. It'd be awesome. Yeah. I don't think they're going to put a pencil on iPad until they can get promotion. Or sorry, I don't think they're going to put pencil on iPhone until they get promotion on an iPhone. Now that everybody has discovered how awesome promotion is. I agree. Uh, I think that set a bar that they that they don't want to miss again uh, mm-hmm. on something new. Uh, quick type improvements. Uh, so there's improvements to the keyboard and some of the, the smart stuff the keyboard can do. You get these key flicks on new iPads. Love them. So I, I can be on the five key and I can kind of swipe and get the percentage key. That is only on the new iPads Pro. Is that correct? Um, yes, in theory, there it's uh, on everything except the first generation 12.9 inch iPad Pro. However, okay. I've also heard people who have the first generation 12.9 inch saying, "Oh, it works for me." So, huh. very confusing. Apple maybe a little inconsistent at this point. Yeah, uh, the iPhone gets a super clever one-handed keyboard. So, if you especially are on a Plus like I am. And maybe that keyboard is difficult to use one-handed. There's a new mode where it kind of squishes the keyboard to the, towards the left or towards the right. And it looks really strange. But if you have missed a smaller keyboard, uh, it seems to be pretty well received. I got an email from somebody who is really enjoying using it on their Plus. So I think that's a, a pretty handy feature if you ha- if you struggle with the bigger keyboard but want the bigger phone. So here's a big one. Um, AR kit. This is something that is available for both iPad and iPhone, uh, but it has some hardware limitations. So if you want to download an AR kit app um, and really take advantage of the features, you're going to need an A9 processor or later. So what is next? Health app is still iPhone only. Lame. The watch app, still iPhone only. The Lame. calculator app, still <laughs> iPhone only. Weather. Yeah, weather. Uh Stocks, I think, is still iPhone only. There's still a bunch of iPhone only apps that come basically out of the box. Very frustrating. Um, and also iPhone only is the SOS feature. Uh, it's for iPhone and watch only, uh, which actually makes sense from a, well, if the health app doesn't exist, then they can't do, you can't do medical ID. Um, I still think that 
SOS should probably be available on all of your devices that have any kind of wireless or cellular connection, because who knows, you know, people who don't have Apple Watches, who knows when you might need to to call for help. Uh, yeah, but that is still, yeah. at this moment, limited to iPhone and watch only. I would, I'd like to see that from the perspective of some people enable this mode going through airport security or if they, mm. you know, something like that. And I would like my iPad to have the same protection as my phone. Uh, that one really, really bugs me that it's not, it's not on the iPad. Well, there are a ton of features that are available for pretty much all devices, which is pretty cool. So we can just kind of go through some of those before we wrap up. Uh, Automatic setup, which means if you have a new iPhone and you have an old iPhone, you tap your old iPhone on the new iPhone and a bunch of settings move over like magic available for everybody. I love it so much. It's also on the Apple TV, but not on the Mac this year. Yeah, that's less fun. But, you know, maybe next year. Who knows? One thing that I really love is notification previews. Uh, You may have heard about these during the iPhone 10 announcement where they were talking about, you know, uh, when your iPhone is locked, uh, it'll just show, you know, iMessage notification. And then the second that you pick it up or you look at it and it recognizes your face, it can expand those notifications to show the full content. That feature is also available on the iPhone and iPad. Uh, It's just authenticated with Touch ID first. So this is a really great way if you rest your thumb on the Touch ID sensor when you pick up your iPhone, um, instead of having to like click through, it'll stay on the lock screen, but all of your limited notifications will flush out into full featured notifications. And it's very similar to what the Apple Watch uh, did at the start too, where, you know, uh, Apple Watch had a feature where you could hide notifications and make them not um, not visible unless you held the watch up, t- uh, up in front of you and then held it for an extra second. And it would say, oh, you're clearly, you want to look at this specific notification, we'll unfurl it. Uh, it's really cool technology. And I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty happy that it's coming to all the devices, not just the iPhone 10. And it's a iOS 11 perk. Yeah, that is that is pretty cool. I, I like the, the sort of privacy angle on that. Me too. All right. So Apple Music sharing available for everyone. Yeah. QR codes also available for everyone. Uh, you can point your camera and scan a QR code. Fancy. Woohoo. All of those apps that did that all. <laughs> nice knowing you guys. Yeah. Uh, accessibility improvements the same across the board. There are, there are always some feature specific accessibility options. So if you have a new iPad, you can turn ProMotion off, which mm-hmm. I have because ProMotion makes me feel uncomfortable. Uh, but sort of the, the baseline accessibility improvements are there on every device. Yeah. And the same goes for the new and redesigned App Store uh, for the most part, unless your country does not support it. Oh. But for iPhone and iPad, both of them get the new shiny App Store, but not the Mac. Sir- <laughs> mm, Mac App Store. That's there's a topic for another day. Yeah, yeah. We're just gonna ignore that for now. Siri improvements are everywhere. New voices in in several languages. New functionality. Siri Kit has been expanded to new app categories like to do lists, which I'm really enjoying. That I can talk to Siri about my task management program that is not reminders. Big thumbs up. <laughs> Uh, your photos features, uh, which is to say specifically editing photos and adding uh, like the loop and the bounce uh, options in live photos, those are coming to all devices. Um, again, I think there, there might be a processor requirement there. Uh, the camera specific features, especially the camera f- specific features for, say, shooting portrait mode, obviously only coming to the iPhone 7 Plus and iPhone 8 Plus. As there and portrait lighting will only be with the iPhone 8 Plus and the iPhone 10. 
So if you have an earlier plus size iPhone with some form of portrait, you cannot run portrait lighting because it just isn't your processor isn't powerful enough. You need to go bionic. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, iOS 11 brought maps updates. So indoor mapping to some malls and some locations, lane guidance and speed limits and light guidance stuff that we see in Google Maps. They have all made it now. Lane guidance is only available in the U.S. and in China. Hmm. And in my, I've used Google Maps. I, I tend to use Apple Maps in town and Google Maps on trips because lane guidance is really nice if you're driving on a highway you're not familiar with. And that's now uh, in Apple Maps. So that's that's exciting if you live in the U.S. or China. It's on any device that will uh, run iOS 11. Yeah. And HomeKit improvements, uh, including new automation options that's available for everyone. Um, and, of course, a uh, big perk about HomeKit is that the new Apple TV 4K is officially, you know, a HomeKit recognized box, which is kind of nice. So you uh, you can control your HomeKit things away from home because your Apple TV is chatting with them. That that worked on the old Apple TV, but I found it to be a little hit or miss. Yeah, it was very clunky. And because you couldn't, there was no official HomeKit feature that you just had to log into iCloud. Now it's actually there. Yeah, it was yeah. strange. So much better. Uh, it is nice. So I can see what you're like. All, I can see what all my lights are doing mm-hmm. from home. See if they're having a party <laughs> without me. The the files app is here for everyone. This is a little dependent on what cloud services you use. So for me, Dropbox is my file system. And just last week they had an update. So now on my iPhone and iPad, I can use the files app to do Dropboxy type stuff. Google Drive, Box, these other these other companies that offer storage. You know, some of them have updated, some of them haven't. But uh, with time, I think anything, any major player in the space will be there in the Files app, and that works with all iOS 11 devices. And finally, I just wanted to mention something that we said in the first segment, but it ties to this, uh, which is that HEVC files and HEIF files, um, all iOS 11 capable devices can play them, uh, but you have something over than the iPhone 7, you're going to continue to capture video in the older formats or photos in the older formats. Uh, so you can all look at them if you're running iOS 11, but only the last couple of iPhones will be able to actually take pictures in or photo or video in that format. Yeah, the, the format thing we talked about a bunch this week is really like forward facing. I don't think I don't think that's a big deal breaker at this point. So, um, so yeah, so I think I think that does it. Hopefully, Eric, we have helped you manage your family's iOS 11 questions. You know, I was. When we were preparing for this, I kind of had a moment. I was like, man, iOS is complicated. Like, there, it does a bunch of stuff now. For a long time, it was, if you can run, you know, iOS 3, you get all of iOS 3 stuff. But those those days have just passed because iOS 11 is a full-featured operating system now, not sort of the much smaller in scope, you know, phone system that it was, you know, seven or eight years ago. So it's it's come a long way. And I think part of that is just this complexity. But I think... I think Apple makes it as simple as they can. And where something doesn't work, it's not like they never take anything away, right? It'll just work the way that it did in the previous system. So I think they've I think they've done a good job with that. So we should do the speed run. Speed run. All right. Let's let's go right to it, Steven. All right. Caleb asks, how does do not disturb while driving 
Awesome. Work. Well, we talked a little bit about this in the previous segment, um, but just to recap, as you said, uh, it uses Bluetooth first and foremost. It tries to connect to, say, a car stereo. Um, and if that's not available, it's also going to use your iPhone's accelerometer and local Wi-Fi networks to basically recognize if you're sitting still or you're moving. Um if it hasn't actually enabled, it's going to prompt you to to enable it uh, the first time and say, hey, we noticed that you're going a little bit faster than uh, the average bear might while walking. Would you like to turn on Do Not Disturb while driving? I actually got this on an Amtrak train the other day, uh, and I was like, no, no, that's all right. And as you said, Stephen, um, you can set it if you don't want to get those kinds of reminders. You can set it so that it only connects when uh, when connected to your car's Bluetooth stereo, which hopefully that you have. Or manually, uh, there's a little button in Control Center that you can turn on so you can just tap a thing to do Do Not Disturb While Driving, which will put you in Do Not Disturb While Driving mode. Um, DN, DNDWD, not a, also not a great acronym. Um, no. It. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the mode also uses location services to try and figure out if you're actually moving fast or not, although you can turn that off and it will still work. Um, while you're in do not disturb while driving mode, your notifications will not appear on the lock screen, um, although you can create uh, default auto replies for people that you've talked to recently in the last day or your any of your contacts or maybe just your favorites list um, so that if somebody say, say for instance, if Renee is sending me a message about High Sierra being out and I have am driving and I have do not disturb while driving on, I get I get to write a cus or I have a pre-written customized reply sent to him being like, Hi, I'm driving. Please, you know, let me know if it's urgent by replying urgent, but otherwise you're you know, I'm not gonna respond to it until I'm finished. And if it's really important, like, hey Ren, High Sierra just came out, uh, Renee can reply back with urgent. And then I will actually see that notification and that will let me know that, hey, this person really needs to get through to me. And it's not just like, hey, what did you think of uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? You excited for it to come back? Um, which, you know, it's it's always a it's a 50-50 chance uh, with when I'm talking to Renee. It's like either really, really important work stuff or let's talk about TV. So that 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 kind of stuff is important. Um, I mentioned, of course, uh, Bluetooth. It uses Bluetooth. And if you have a Bluetooth stereo in your car, uh, calls will come through automatically and they'll be routed through your stereo. Uh, if you don't have a Bluetooth stereo, phone calls will automatically be muted or they can just be allowed from favorites. Uh, and you can disable them entirely, but do the same thing that the regular Do Not Disturb does, where you can say repeated calls. So if someone calls you more than once in three minutes, that second call will go through so that you know it's urgent. Um one of the things that I know people are asking, I've heard people asking about is like, well, you know, what if I'm on an Amtrak train or what if I'm a passenger? Like, I actually want to use my phone. Um, and that's totally like totally easy. All you have to do is unlock the phone. And once you've unlocked the phone, the phone remains out of do not disturb while driving mode for the entirety of the trip. Uh, so just remember that as a if you're thinking about deceiving your phone and being like, I'm a passenger, unlock with Touch ID, uh, do not disturb while driving just won't bug you for the rest of that. So you're you're basically lying to your phone for the duration of the trip. Feel bad about yourself. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think that the language on that button is really purposeful. Uh, oh, yeah. You have to tell it, I'm not driving. Uh, it's not like cancel or like, no, let me through. I'm not driving is a very simple statement and it really gives you pause. Oh yeah. 
Well, especially, yeah, exactly. It's like, we've, we can be honest, we've all used our phones at times when we probably shouldn't, um, especially in the car. Totally. Um, but I appreciate the, the inherent guilt factor here, even if it is just a, a unfeeling device being like, Serenity, are you actually doing this? Are you actually driving? <laughs> Don't make me pull this car yeah. over. Uh, so, you know, it's good. It's good. Um, things will still go, certain things will still go through on Do Not Disturb while driving, including emergency alerts. So, for instance, if you were, say, in Houston during the hurricane, you would still get those, even if you were driving with Do Not Disturb on. Um, urgent messages, like I said before, if someone texts urgent to you, they can get through. Um, and then timers and alarms aren't going to be silenced. So, you know, you won't, uh, I don't know why you'd be sleeping in your car while you're driving your car, but you know, uh, maybe maybe you need to take medicine while you're sitting in in traffic, and those alarms will still go off. And finally, um, a Hoy telephone will work, uh, but it will not show any information on your screen when you use it. So it'll just show like the blue blue the blue <laughs> It'll just so, show the bubbly Siri icon um, and some waveforms, but it won't actually give you any text. Instead, Siri will dictate everything to you and speak speak your queries and your response and uh, your answers. So you you don't have to look at your screen to find out things. Also, it's very limited in terms of what it can answer. Like if you ask it, like, open YouTube, it's going to be like, sorry, you can't use YouTube while you're driving. Tisk tisk tisk. Um, and finally, if you have CarPlay, do not disturb while driving will not be activated uh, because Apple assumes that CarPlay is already nice and safe and you can use it that way. I'm not sure if I 100% agree with that, but hey, you know, I guess that's that's Apple being Apple. Out of all the iOS 11 features, this is the one like normal people in my life have talked to me too. Like just yesterday, I saw a friend, he updated his phone at some point. He said, this is really great. Like it's on, like I, I really feel like it's helping me be more responsible. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, I agree. All right, let's uh, let's hit up our next question, shall we? Okay, uh, so Thomas asks, can the Apple Watch Series 3 be charged by any Qi charger like Mophie's or Anchor's? Uh, <laughs> this is one of those uh, yeah. that has a lot of fine print. So Apple ships this little puck that you put the watch on, it charges, that's the same. And Apple has teased a product they're calling AirPower, which you, you can wirelessly charge your phone, an updated AirPods case, and the watch together, but they didn't say anything about regular Qi chargers on the Apple Watch. When someone took the Apple Watch apart, it seems like maybe that there's there's there is some coil there because the air power thing is wireless, but maybe it needs some sort of magnetics to work. Um, the Mophie and Anchor chargers that are out now don't charge the Apple Watch, but it seems like there are some like random no name no brand chargers from China that do and the the AirPower charger will charge the Apple Watch so i think the answer for now is no not really your mileage might vary you probably can charge it on certain chargers uh, and it is worth noting that the Apple Watch charger uh, the Apple Watch in general was based around a subset of Qi uh, when it was first designed, um, because, you know, you can charge a, charge a Moto 360 with an Apple Watch charger, um, and the Moto 360 is a, is a Qi-based device. 
But that said, um, there's already a lot of issues with wireless charging in terms of like getting the device to properly sit on the charger and make sure that it's charging. I'm already having issues with that on my iPhone, let alone a device this tiny. Um, and there are also issues with, um, with, oh God, I forgot the word, um, with power transfer. There are also issues with power transfer mm -hmm. where if you don't have a device set just the right way, you may lose out a lot on um, on the efficiency of the charging. So instead of maybe getting 95% efficiency through that, you know, 2.5, 5 watt charging uh, option, you might only get 60% efficiency if your device isn't positioned correctly. So I think one of the big reasons why Apple is kind of remaining mum on this and, and waving people off until the air power charger is they really want to make sure that they do have good efficiency when charging the watch with a, with a actual, you know, uh, touch-based charger and not necessarily like the little magnetic puck because the worst thing in the world is to, you know, say, oh, yeah, you can drop your Apple Watch on a charger and you do that and then uh, it takes 12 hours for your Apple Watch to charge. Right. Yeah, that's that's not what you want. So Nate writes, iOS is numbered for every year it's been around. Why is this the 10th anniversary iPhone when it's iOS 11? That is a great question, Nate. Uh, it essentially boils down to... How we count straight numbers versus how we observe birthdays and year over year. Uh, so the iPhone was iOS iOS 1 in 2007. And technically, the way that we observe years, 10 years from that is 2017. But that's because when we count years, we're, we start by counting 2008 as the first anniversary of the iPhone rather than counting 2007 as year one when the iPhone is birthed. Uh, so essentially, the iPhone has technically been around for 11 years, but 10 birthdays. It is entering its 11th year as, a, as an iPhone. Um, so if you think about, you know, the way that the iPhone generation went, the first iPhone was iPhone, the second iPhone was 3G, the third iPhone was 3GS, the fourth iPhone was 4, the fifth iPhone was 4S, the sixth iPhone was 5, the seventh iPhone was 5S, the eighth iPhone was 6, the ninth iPhone was 6S, the tenth iPhone was 7, and technically 8 and iPhone 10 are the 11th iterations of the iPhone, but because those happened 10 years after the introduction of the original iPhone, they are technically the 10th anniversary iPhones. The iPhones created 10 years after the introduction of the iPhone. It's confusing, and um, it's kind of like when you try and explain to people about birthdays where you're like, yeah, I'm 29, but technically I'm in my 30th year. Uh, and I don't, yeah, uh, math is, math is weird. That's, I think that's <laughs> the, the sum total of this answer. I think that's the sum total of this answer. Math is weird. Poor iPhone 5C didn't even get a mention on no. your list. iPhone, didn't iPhone 5C come in with iPhone 5S? Yeah. It did. And it was basically a colorful yeah. five. So it's, it's sort of a, a weird dog. I didn't out there. mention SE either. I still love both of them. I think that does it for this episode of Query. You can find the show notes, stuff we've been talking about at RelayFM slash Query slash 12. You can submit questions on Twitter with the hashtag AskQuery. In the meantime, you can find Serenity there as Saturn, S-E-T-T-E-R-N. And you can find her writing and videos and all sorts of fun stuff at imore.com. You can find me on Twitter as ISMH and I write at 512pixels.net. Until next week, Serenity, 
Say goodbye. A bientôt. Adios.